the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Never fear, we are here. Thank you for joining us tonight for The Bible Live broadcast. Jacob is here in the room. John is ready. Oh, my goodness. That was... That was a healthy. Um, that was a, that was a shofar. Oh, the, <laughs> okay. Sound more like an atomic bomb went over there. Uh, we are here with you. We we're glad to spend the next ninety minutes with you, looking at this old book, the Bible. We are finishing up uh, this past week in our reading schedule. We finished up the books of First and Second Chronicles. Uh, well, actually, Second Chronicles nineteen through thirty-six. But we've been uh, we've been looking at the this book of history, uh, the books of history in the Bible include, let's see, uh, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Uh, are there other books that are considered the books of history? Well, they're all his story. Right, that's 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 great. But um, like, but, but uh, uh, others are poetry. Others, oh, yeah. do you have the, pro- the prophetic reason, books. Yeah. Do they consider the books of prophecy uh, books of history, or are they Both. call them okay? Both. Okay, history is prologue to the future. Mm-hmm. Well, that I see, and we were talking about that before the uh, program started. One of the central themes of the book of the Chronicles is this cycle that you can you'll tell us about that that seems to be repeated not only 
here but throughout the scriptures from the time of Adam and Eve in the garden all the way even to the times we live now there this this cycle of events in uh, in terms of our uh, humanity's relationship to the creator there's these cycle of events that continue to happen and we see it all through the scriptures uh, uh, I was thinking particularly in the book of the revelation you see these cycles of judgments there the trumpets well, and the angels well that's another meaning so of the word revelation you see uh, I see because you go or make a circle it revolves one time so it's revolving Rev- Oh, I see. That's uh, revolution. That's right. <laughs> Not revelation. But anyway. Okay. But actually, there's a great painting by Andy Warhol. Uh-huh. And it's called Revolution. And it's talking about, it was from the 60s when there was uh-huh. a lot of revolting in America. And, it, and the interesting thing is because of the colors, you can see it. So when you do a full revolution, you end up right back where you started. <laughs> and that's generally the, 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 this cycle that we see throughout the scriptures. And your, your contention is that what is one of the central characteristics or themes of the book of the Chronicles, one of the things that this this... Uh, this scribe, he's not a Levite, but he's a very committed, devoted Jewish scribe who knows and studies the law, uh, the laws of God. And he, Ezra is his name, and he is writing this kind of a selected history for the people of Israel that are returning from their 70 years of exile or um, being taken out of the, I guess we call it exile, in Babylonia, in Babylon. And now they've returned, a great number of them, uh, 40, 50, 60,000, I guess, altogether, yeah, something that like that. Yeah. And uh, they've returned, but they are, they have, these are men and women who were born in exile. They were born over in Babylon. I, I, maybe there's a few of the really, really, really elderly, very old that made it way, their way back. But uh, well, Daniel, the great, great Daniel mass. Daniel did not make it back. Daniel didn't come back. I didn't say anything about others either that did, but I... Maybe there was some older, older person who was willing to make that journey. It's well, about of course. 1,200 miles, And I think, don't if you I find correctly. it fascinating that uh, during that period, in fact, so what a great segue, Soapy. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, that's what I actually, intended. Actually, the very last chapter uh-huh. in what we were looking at tonight, which is the last chapter of Chronicles, uh-huh. um, it is talking about returning something, returning and doing something that you must return to the land. So you're talking about returning, and this is exactly what it's about. So that's fascinating you'd bring that up. Okay. That's exactly right. In fact, uh, it refers to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, he prophesied that there would be uh, 70 years of captivity. And uh, and how and every seventh year, of course, uh, is a you let the land rest. A jubilee, I think it's called. Well, right? that that would be forty nine. That'd be forty nine of them. Uh-huh. This is a this, this is a Sabbath year. Yes, a Sabbath year. Uh-huh. So, and what happened is the Jews had failed. The one sin we really know about, besides all the other uh, sexy sins, uh, is the one that they did is they did not let the land rest. For 70 years. So every seventh year, they in 70-year in time span, they missed it. Thus, when they come back, the very last chapter in Chronicles 9, is Jer- they quote Jeremiah and says, You'll be in captivity 70 years because you're going to make up for all the seven years that you missed in 70 years. Seven so that would times- be 10? Huh? Would that be 10? In, uh, actually, it would be, uh, yes. But it would be 10, but it's a little Well, is common. that an exact number? In other yes. words, are there exactly 
You could count 10 years when they did not have the uh, Yes, it's 10 Sabbath. that they missed, but it takes 7 to reach the 10, every 7th. That's why it's got to be 70 years. But, yes, it's 10 numbers, mm-hmm. yes. And that's what I believe that uh, Jesus was talking about in the New Testament. 70 times 7. When he says, how many times must I forgive? He's quoting Jeremiah. It's uh, 7 times 70. Bobby. Well, that Jesus, he sure did. Uh, he, hey, he knew he knew this stuff. Didn't he knew he? the book. He didn't. He knew the book. Anyway, There's so no it's doubt about it. Anyway, so well, then, this, then when Daniel, remember the book of Daniel? So uh-huh. You mentioned Daniel, and uh-huh. I did, I guess. In the book of Daniel, that he did not. He was one who did not return from Babylon. Right, yeah. he did not. But he says, and I can't remember the chapter. It's seven, eight, or nine. He says, "I was sitting around reading the book of Jeremiah, mm-hmm. and I noticed Jeremiah said we will be here seventy years." Well, this is coming up on the seventh year, so we're going home now. So he actually quotes Jeremiah. So what we're going to look at in the very last chapter of Chronicles is a reference to what Jeremiah said. And Daniel had read it himself, so he knew when he was going home. The reason I bring that up is because you said these the new group that came back, Ezra and all the guys to build the mm-hmm. temple, mm-hmm. they were born in exile. Nehemiah being one oh, of them. That's uh-huh. right. And what's so fascinating is they were born... But the idea of Israel was very important to them. And by exam, uh, extension, the, uh, the Jews, of course, were out of Israel for about 2,000 years. And yet that idea is so embedded in them, they had to go back in 1948. Isn't that mm-hmm. remarkable? Yeah, that's... Like yeah yeah like bees to honey I guess it just well, kind of kind of keep going back yeah, it, that's that it does place make that, you wonder doesn't it yeah it does it's, that's that place of of covenant a promise of it's 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 all wrapped at wrapped up in that understanding that that they were a people called ordained by God to for a function for a to love Him to serve Him to worship him, and to be true to Him. Although through the winds uh, change and all the different idolatry and, uh, and so on existing in the world, well, that's that's why Ezra is reminding them of folks in the books in the book of, of books of First and Second Chronicles. He's reminding the people of Israel that returned from those seventy years of exile. He's re, he's reminding them of their covenant relationship with God, of God's commands. And uh, they, they, and he's he's writing this selected history to do that uh, centrally, but also it's a reminder of how how God works. As Jacob was saying, they uh, there's continually these cycles of of uh, God's calling, and people fall into temptation and sin, then they experience judgment for their sin, and then that brings them to repentance. And to call, cry out to the Lord for forgiveness and deliverance, and then that brings to deliverance and restoration. And then once they're restored, again, they fall into prosperity seems to be the big enemy or one of the big enemies because they, they are blessed, they, they're restored, but then they fall again into temptation and sin, and they go into judgment and then to repentance and uh, deliverance and restoration. So you have this cycle that is repeated from the beginning to the end of the book, and we see it very clearly here in the time of the Chronicles as well. well so, do you know what's in this too? <clears throat> what's yes? What is in this is a couple of very interesting answers. 
Okay. Two. Uh, well, okay. One. Well, if you know the answers, what are the questions? Or is this one of those Johnny Carson things where here's the answer and you tell us the, <laughs> the question? No, I think that's Jeopardy. Oh, okay. Actually, if you look over, uh, let's see what it is. Um, oh, look at your number one. Uh-huh. Uh, would you like King to read? Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat appointed judges here uh, in chapter 19 of Second Chronicles. He appoints judges and told them that they should not seek to please the people, but to please God. So, okay, he's appointing the judges uh, the, uh, from the Levites? Yes. And so there he's setting up... Uh, oh, oh, I see. And now, Jehoshaphat led in a, They were kind of, he was trying to restore the the processes, right? Levitical right. process and that sort uh, of thing. Are you familiar with the famous passage in uh, the Christian scriptures about judge not lest you be judged? Yes. Uh huh. Aha. Uh-huh. If you look at chapter 19 and starting at verse 6, uh huh. For 6 and 7, you'll find what that really means. Second Chronicles, chapter uh, six and seven. No, no, nineteen six and seven. Nineteen verses. Remember, six your and first seven. question here refers to chapter nineteen. Okay, and these new, um, and he's seeking these judges. So that has to do with judgment, right? Uh-huh. Verses six and seven says uh, he appointed judges throughout the nation in all the fortified towns, and Jehoshaphat said to them. Always think carefully before pronouncing judgment. Remember that you do not judge to please people, but to please the Lord. He will be with you when you render the verdict in each case. Fear the Lord and judge with integrity, for the Lord our God does not tolerate perverted justice, partiality, or the taking of bribes. Now, if you understand what they're saying is, it's exactly what... uh Jesus was saying, and um, judge not lest you be judged. In other words, don't make up your own laws. In other words, words, he wasn't saying don't be discriminating, don't make decisions, don't judge. We're we're supposed to do that, but we're supposed to judge on the basis of God's laws, not laws that we've made up. Because if we do make up our own, uh, we'll be later on be judged with the same law that we've made up. That's right. I think that's just an incredibly wise and... Now that I understand what he's saying more clearly, it's it's totally accurate and totally consistent with the scriptures. But we've really perverted the, even that statement in yeah, our time. Because so. actually, what he says is, uh, for whatever you judge by the standard, you shall be judged. In other words, you make up your law; next guy's making up his. We don't do that. We only judge by God's laws. And that's what he's telling these that's these exactly judges. Exactly what you yeah. got, because in your question number one, you reference. Uh, uh, the answer in six, 196, which is God. And that's exactly what he's got here. You know what you've got. It says, hey, when you judge, use only judges God's laws. On the basis of God's laws. Isn't yeah. that fascinating? Boy, we've moved a long way away from that. There was a time when I think it seems like, isn't wasn't there a time in our own nation where, and, I, and I'm not talking maybe in a religious sense, but wasn't there a time when uh, the cultural mores and the cultural norms were more in line with biblical values and the, and the commands of God, and so that it, 
we seem to. We, I think we've experienced. You know why? It. I had a number of uh, trainees, uh, Air Force trainees, ask me this question this morning oh, in one did. of the studies. Yeah. What were you training them and, on? And there was a t- huh? What were you training them on? Uh, the scriptures, oh, the Bible. Okay. That's what we're teaching out there. God's word. Okay. But we talked about that whole idea that how the, a nation can quickly move away from being uh, God-centered, biblically, you know, Bible, biblical worldview-centered uh, nation. It only takes one generation, right? Mm-hmm. Just to you miss one generation. What was it Billy Graham? And it, and it was it moves? Billy Graham that Probably. used to say we're one generation away from being pagans? No, I don't doubt it, but. I think many have said it and observed it because, it, and it's clearly right there in the scriptures. We see it with the people of Israel over and over again. Over They're on. just one generation you miss, and and uh, and you're you, you got to really the, <laughs> sludge your way back after that. And the irony is that people really didn't know what it's saying. And let's face it, they really don't. Uh-huh. But if they know everything they're looking for, the freedom, the responsibility they need to share, the how you treat other people, those are all embedded into God's laws. And in fact, it was the first time in history. When I say our civilization came from Greece, etc., mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it really did not. It came from the Bible. Really because, did. Yeah, because no what doubt. it says is you have to treat all people equal. People like to quote Hammurabi and some of those fellows. Mm-hmm. But you go back and you read that stuff and you say, well, this isn't the same. They had laws that covered property, but people were treated different. You put people's, you cut their hands off, you cut, mm-hmm. put their eyes out, you did all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was also based on who you were and what class you were. So and this isn't that why they say they talk about Western civilization based on and coming out of Judeo-Christian sure. norms, values, uh, and so on. Uh, yeah, that, that's. I think that is the biblical worldview that shaped our nation in the beginning. And yet, again, though, it has to be preserved. And we seems to me like right now, this time in history, this early 21st century, we are at one of those uh, pivotal points as a nation even, having to decide, you know, which way we're going to go? Which uh, are we going to continue this? What is called progressive, a progressive away from God, away from these norms, away from God's uh, understanding of biblical worldview, God-centered worldview, or are we going to, you know, return and plant the flag once more that no, we are a nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, or we're in God we trust? Are, are, are we? What kind of country? What kind of nation are we going to be? I think that. That is being decided every day that goes by in our culture today and, and everything that happens. Uh, it, we seem to be once again in that cycle of having to decide which which direction we'll turn. Well, that's why when I read your question number one, I said, uh-huh. well, you've actually picked the verse that matches, actually matches uh, what uh, Jesus was saying, and judge not lest you be judged. I see. And so he's, it's, I thought, well, that's great. And, uh, I, and a lot of people may not know this, but you actually, or with you and your family, put together the questions, and then you sort of allow me to <laughs> sift through them and pick the ones I prefer. Exactly right. I think the ones that, that are, and you, are, you do a great job job always of picking the ones that really have a significance it seems like uh, uh, that that jewish or hebrew background experience 
it really is helpful to us as well because um, Old and New Testaments were written by and for uh, and principally uh, Jewish men and women, Jewish people out of that language, out of that culture, out of that history. And uh, we understand it better when we understand that foundation. Well, let's look at some of the questions we have okay. today from Second and, uh, Chronicles. And actually, there is something I want to point out that's relevant to modern-day movies. Ah, well, that's always and that's interesting. In, actually, you, it's in uh, your, your question number two. That's interesting. I was just looking at that myself because it's not often it's not often that the nation is actually called uh, didn't didn't uh, Esther request the nation to fast uh, during her time. Yes. It's not often that the nation fasts and, and there's only one of the uh holidays, the holy the the, the festival days that is for fasting, there's and that's one uh, Yom Kippur, biblical, if I remember there's correctly. There's one biblical day. And one thing i got to give credit to a lot of, especially the Orthodox rabbis, they're very careful and precise to always tell you the difference between rabbinical and biblical. Uh-huh. Biblical, you're right. There's only one day biblically that's commanded the fast. Uh, fast. Uh, the others are rabbinical. Is that Yom Kippur? That is. Okay. And uh, that's the only one that's biblical. All the others are permissible, but they're really rabbinical. So you, you're free to do it if you want, but you don't have to. I see. That's how you're commanded mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that. But in chapter 20, your verse uh, number 2, there's something very interesting in this. And I, I had it in mind I was going to impose upon you to read. It says in verse 2, um, well, now your question number two. Oh, I see. The question number two. When Judah was attacked, now these are com- combined armies, uh, uh, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites. Well, you're actually going to read right? this, I hope. When Judah was attacked by the armies of Moab, Ammon, and uh, Edom, what did Jehoshaphat ask the people to do? And we've already mentioned he asked them to fast to uh-huh. now when you eat. don't eat it's called fasting right fast mm-hmm. uh-huh. right well uh, and i've i figured out that if you overeat it's called slowing <laughs> anyway but i'm gonna ask, so let's give it let's give it a little background before i get to the background though look at uh 20 verse uh six jehoshaphat stood before the community of judah and jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple he now that's where the uh, you know king, what, Sophie. Okay. Would you <laughs> I know. Be kind I mean, enough. Would he you be prayed kind enough to allow me to correct my statement. Okay, do please. Uh, look at twenty verse two. Oh, okay. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, "A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're coming up from the south. They are already at Haz." Um, Hazason Tamar. Uh-huh. It was another name for En Gedi. Okay, actually, that's what I want to get to. That's not En Gedi. Uh-huh. You'll recognize it when I pronounce it like this Ein Jedi. Oh, really? Jedi! In <laughs> Jedi. Okay. Say, now, so. You get that. And actually, also in the movies of Star Wars, yeah. uh, of course, you know the little Yoda, the little guy with the ears and knows everything. Yoda is Hebrew word for knowing. Oh. So like at every Passover, when you say, I, who knows too? I know too. The Hebrew word is Yoda. So he's the knowing. Understand, so, I do. So this Understand is all biblical stuff that you're watching in uh-huh, Star Wars. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But now, 
what's happened, and I'm going to ask you to read if, if you're up to it and you want to. Uh-huh, sure. Um, but in Chapter 20, there's these people are coming. And you're right. It was going to be the armies of Moab, uh, Ammon, Edom, right? Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, and... This guy, Jehoshaphat, he gets scared, as it says. You're going to mm-hmm, read that, mm-hmm. I hope. And, uh, and he prays. He was terrified by the news. Well, would you, would you be comfortable reading his prayer, which is uh, verse 6 through, I guess, verse uh, 12? 6 through 12. Reading and, and everybody listen to the words that he's praying. I'm really going to encourage everybody out there. Uh, either the two people or the one million, whatever it is, uh, to listen to the words. Jehoshaphat prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with calamities such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. Okay. Well, oh, now he goes on. And now, <laughs> on he goes, as Yoda would say. Um, and now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave to us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Okay. Wow. That was his prayer. Does he get his prayer answered? Yes, of course. Uh, I mean, yes. Uh, How does he get his prayer answered? You might find the answer in 22 and 23. uh, Well, while he's praying this prayer, uh, men and women listening and so on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing, um, and he began to preach and prophesy what God was revealing to him. Uh, Levite, he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the uh, the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeriel, Jeriel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. And what I notice, he says, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid on it. But, but you still have to take a step of faith. <laughs> well, you still yes, have to. But look how it go takes out. place. It's actually uh, read whatever much you want. But the answer of what takes place. Yeah. Uh, you mean that half an hour is gone? 
Yes, it's already. But oh. but uh, that's a great, great uh, way to keep folks on the line. Stay and, with us, and folks. this is not only history, but prologue to what's happening in the world in Israel today. Today, that's right. So we'll take a look at what did, how did, was the prayer answered, the prayer of Jehoshaphat? How were the people delivered in this particular instance? Hope you'll stay with us and find out. And, of course, you can give us a call anytime. During the next hour, 340-9585, that's our call-in line for the Bible Live broadcast. If you have a question or thought about the scriptures, either the scripture we're considering tonight or another passage that uh, you're interested in and wondering about, we'd love to hear from you. 340-9585, don't go away. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. We honor the Creator when we honor the memory of His creatures. Our Daily Bread. Today's encouragement from the Our Daily Bread devotional was written by Tim Gustafson. After serving his country for two decades as a helicopter pilot, James returned home to serve his community as a teacher. But he missed helicopters, so he took a job flying medical evacuations for a local hospital. He flew until late in his life. Now it was time to say goodbye to him. As friends, family, and uniformed co-workers stood vigil at the cemetery, a colleague called in one last mission over the radio. Soon the distinctive sound of rotors beating the air could be heard. A helicopter circled over the memorial garden, hovered briefly to pay its respects, then headed back to the hospital. Not even the military personnel who were present could hold back the tears. When King Saul and his son Jonathan were killed in battle, David wrote an elegy for the ages called the Lament of the Bow. In Second Samuel 1, David sings, A gazelle lies slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen. Jonathan was David's closest friend and brother in arms. And although David and Saul had been enemies, David honored them both. Weep for Saul, he wrote. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. Even the best goodbyes are oh so difficult. But for those who trust in the Lord, the memory is much more sweet than bitter, for it is never forever. How good is it when we can honor those who have served others? You can help us spread the good news to those who need it. Share Our Daily Bread with your friends and family on Facebook and Twitter. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Get connected with AM630 The Word on social media through Facebook, Twitter, and TuneIn. Click on the icons at the top of the page at am630theword.com. That's am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. On the album Dirty Computer, Janelle Monet showcases her undeniable R&B artistry. And she focuses as well on subjects as diverse as politics, religion, race, ethnicity, equality, and a wide range of sexual preferences. That musical effort, however, is a complicated, compelling case study in contradiction. I am 
Bringing peace and love where there is chaos and hate is an admirable theme here, but in Monet's often vulgar and crude worldview, embracing a life of love involves embracing androgyny, hedonism, and universalism, too. So I'm giving Dirty Computer just a one and a half out of five for family friendliness. For the full review, visit us at PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Families, Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. This is The Bible Live, one of those great, great hymns of the church that uh, we don't hear that often anymore. It's, uh, oh, no, we don't do those... anything anymore like we used to. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, we were talking about this earlier today about the, some of the great hymns that, that, we, that are really... Yeah, the beautiful hymns, touching hymns, powerful hymns of the church. We we kind of lost touch with them uh, because, of course, a movement with praise and worship in the modern era, the choruses and the singing and, and, and the psalms, uh, which are beautiful and wonderful. But I, I kind of do miss the the theology and the depth of meaning and significance of, of the uh, text well, and some of these great hymns. Well, I may say so as an outsider looking in, mm-hmm. it does appear the modern songs all about me and how I see and how I feel, and I had a great sandwich for lunch today, you know. But it doesn't make any difference about theology. Now, it's just an outsider, folks. He's just just making his observation. Yeah, I liked, actually, believe it or not, I used to really like some of the old, the old mm-hmm, Christian songs. Mm-hmm. Some of them are really great, and, and they got you know, some impact. Tremendous, some depth to them. great meat. You know, theology, doctrine, vague truths. Yeah, but they don't, uh, but they, they don't sing them much anymore. Yeah, well, you know what's happening now, it seems to me, and someone observed this today We were in one of the discussions with some of our teachers out at Lackland that we were talking about that, that these young men and women, that we, they don't know these great old hymns. That's and uh, <laughs> we were talking about that, and um, one of those fellows said, yeah, but there is a kind of a trend now. A number of those great hymns are being kind of rewritten. They're ge- being updated in terms of the rhythm and right. pace and tempo we'll and so on. Cha- we'll just change them and say same thing. Yeah, but but the letter, but the but the words remain the same, uh, which is which it's is the, wor- uh, the text. I don't recognize the words. <laughs> right. But anyway, we are back. We're talking about the books of by, by First the way, and Second you gave Chronicles. Out the phone number, right? I did. I gave it out earlier, and I'll give it out again. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. It's area code two ten, and uh, this is Memorial. 
day. That's why, yeah, John just reminded me that's the reason we have that hymn. And it's just to remind us that a great price is paid for our freedoms and this great land and the men and women in uniform, the less than 1% of our nation's population uh, serving and having served. And, and um, But th- this... What would we be without those men and women who were willing to pay the price and, yeah, the, and, and the millions a, who did pay? There does seem to be a lack of uh, respect going on. Yeah. But i got to say also, I, I'd like to say, too, if somebody even disagrees with something I say, or as weird as it might be, something you say, they're certainly welcome to call in and straighten us out. <laughs> that's that's not so weird as you might think, brother. But but um, uh, we, got, we got a few calls online. Oh, good deal. Yeah. Well, we'll be glad to hear from folks. Let's let's do go and talk to some of our listeners real quick. You want to? Uh, Rich is on the line. Let's get him up first. I think he was first to call in. Hi, Rich. How are you this evening? Hello, Sophie. Hello, Jacob. Hey, yeah, I'm glad you guys. I'm glad you guys are on. I was uh, uh, thinking, oh, they're probably going to be on the road somewhere in their car, uh, traveling for Memorial Day. Uh-huh. Anyway, are you, are you uh, out of town? Pardon me? Are you out of town? No, no, I'm home. Okay, good. No, on, on holidays, I stay home. All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't mess around on the highway. That's right. Well, I'm glad Santa Claus uh, doesn't have that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> I got a question for you. Um, I just, uh, I'm in the middle of, uh, excuse me. <clears throat> I'm in the middle of uh, the philosopher in Ecclesiastics. Uh-huh, right. Uh, that that fellow is really depressing. Uh, <laughs> who was he? That was uh, uh, Solomon. Actually, if you look at, uh, is it the uh, chapter 10 or chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, which is in Hebrew is called Kohelis, which means collector. Solomon really didn't write these. He collected them. He, yeah, these are a compilation of uh, sayings and so on. But, but uh, well, you're talking about the Proverbs now, but Ecclesiastes. Proverbs, no, he wrote them too. It's actually in Ecclesiastes. It's either chapter 10. Verse 12, something like that, or 12, one of those two. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. All the, that He goes, yeah. he reviews his, his uh, philosophy of life yeah. throughout his years. In fact, you might find this interesting. When the rabbis first got together and decided what was going to make up the Jewish Bible. Ecclesiastes didn't well, make they, the cut. They, they were going to leave it out. There's only one line that saved that <laughs> book to be in the Bible. Do you know what that line is? Uh... I'm guessing it's somewhere in Ecclesiastes where yeah, he you're says, right. It's somewhere in Ecclesiastes. <laughs> yeah, okay, go ahead. I'm, yeah, these, these books that are in there, like, uh, it's so useless. Uh, yes. You know, I, I mean, boy, I, well, I, I, I don't think... He's definitely negative. He's definitely uh, kind of depressed. I mean, this is written later in his life, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it actually, yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised he didn't hang himself. <laughs> well, in a way, he did. But um, <laughs> but his uh, but the funny. last the last line in Ecclesiastes is the only line that saved it to be included in the Bible because it says, "Here's the sum of all things." Oh yes, uh, love God, love God, him. and do His commandments. If it wasn't for that line, it was not going to make the cut in the Bible. Well, I had to, as I was reading, I had to uh, decipher and say, "No, I can't agree with this. No, I can't agree with this either." Or this, or this, or this. I mean, 
Boy, it was something else. What do you anyway, think about, uh, uh, what do you think about chapter five? I'm doing this from memory. I may have a chapter on where he says, "Who knows uh, what advantages are a dog over being a human?" What do you think about that? Wow. I I I don't uh, I cannot remember that one. All I remember is the ones about obey the king mm-hmm. and you work so hard and what do you get? Nothing. Right. You know, I mean, it's uh, that that's the stuff that really got to I thought, Jim, I thought Jimmy Dean wrote that, 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, um, I, I'm, I'm skimming through it pretty quick, to be honest well, with you. There's another please. line in there that actually captures Jewish theology. And I'll tell you what line it is, and I think, I could be wrong, Rich, but I think it's uh, chapter 5, because I'm doing this from memory. But uh, it says, who can say that the, du- that the body returns to dust and the spirit returns to God? Are you familiar with that line? No. Okay, I'm you not. should look for that line, because that basically... The one that, the one that I found most important, Jacob, yeah. was... Uh, you come into this world with nothing, and you leave with nothing. And you leave with nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite. Well, there's some truth in that. And I think that's probably pretty close to the thing I'm saying. Uh, because he actually does say that, you know, in the old thing, dust to dust. Yeah, dust to ash to ashes. So he actually, but that is actually captures G- Jewish theology. Is that, yeah. look, your physical body returns to dust, but your spirit, every human being's spirit, I know this is uh, somewhat uh, against Christian theology, but the, the, uh, every human spirit returns to God from where it was given, dust to dust, spirit to spirit. He actually says that. And what I always like about that passage, he actually does capture in that Jewish theology. Anyway, Solomon is the one that collected these. I believe uh, that, it was that, Solomon. That, yes, yeah. that's the understanding, at least. Of the book. It, 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 it's kind but, of... But nobody, know, nobody knows who wrote them, though. Oh no! I guess not. I guess we don't I think, know. I think Soapy's right. I think he uh, he wrote some. He certainly flavored them, and he picked the ones he wanted. But I think there were other people that wrote them, and we don't yeah. know. Uh, particularly, uh, I know that's true about the Proverbs. He collected them. It even says that in the book of the Proverbs. But uh, in Ecclesiastes, I'm sure some of that was going on as well. But remember, he he Solomon is a man who started off with incredible, great potential, a great promise, a great opportunity. And uh, he, he started out well, but then he deviated. He got away from God's laws and commands, and, and his the kingdom went downhill, and he went downhill personally. And so, in the later life, he's coming back to a, a realization of the um, the emptiness of life without God, the emptiness of life without uh, God. And, and he comes to that other conclusion: this guy who had all kinds of money, all kinds of women, all kinds of wine, wine, women, and song, and yet he comes back and says, "You know, it's all vanity. It's all empty without God. The only thing that's really, really meaningful is to." Love God and serve Him. Keep His commands, and, and so that He is. Um, you're right. It's it's a little bit pessimistic and all, but in a sense, it's a it's kind of a healthy experience of a man who tried everything uh, and and did not live up yeah, to well, his potential. But yeah, it's, brings it back, brings it back to reality. That's for sure. Yeah, Rich, you said there's some things that you marked on. Said I don't like that, and I don't agree with that. What uh, what is the uh, um, what is the uh, other? Uh, what, is there a couple lines in there that you really had problems with? Uh, 
No, the ones about, uh, <clears throat> he said, where well, a man works real hard, yeah. becomes wealthy, and then he dies, and another man gets his wealth. It's so <laughs> useless. I mean, <laughs> that, that's the way it went throughout the whole thing, it seemed. But I like, said, I actually like that, Rich, because I think in our time, today, in the, in the world we live in today, uh, <clears throat> there's this incredible obsession with wealth and and fame. People do anything to get famous. You know, these people go out and do these terrible crimes and all just to so that their name. And uh, and what he's saying is that, you know, it's all worthless. I mean, you, what if you do get to be president? What if you do? Get, it doesn't matter. You're going to die. They're going to put you in a coffin and you're going to you, your fate is not going to be any different. Uh, I, I kind of like it in a way because it goes against the spirit of this uh, kind of this time where everybody is sort of looking to be idols. They all want their 15 minutes of fame and all, and nobody's Well, content. those kind of people I feel sorry for, uh, Sophie. I really do. Because, I, and I uh, think that's what the, the, uh, uh, the, that book kind of points out, that it's all yeah. emptiness. And, and, of course, it's, it has a lot of credibility coming from Solomon because he had all the fame in the world. He had all the riches. He had everything. And yet he came to that conclusion as well that it's all empty without God. Yeah. And, Rich, you remember the first event that's recorded where what he prayed for, right? Uh, no, I don't, Jacob. He prayed for uh, wisdom? Yes, that's right. At the beginning of uh, Solomon's life. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, no, I'm, I'm with you now, yeah. And in the Talmud, in Jewish literature, it says the greatest wisdom is love. So what he got was wisdom to identify love. So his first uh, application of that was the two women both claiming to love. and. Yeah, I remember that David. story, too. That was very... Uh, uh-huh. Very smart on his part. Yeah, well, okay, but you see, the greatest wisdom is love. So he recognized is, love. So what no. his power was, was to look for the love in that situation. But here is the catch. He got his wisdom, but he never got the next two steps, which is, in biblical speak, knowledge, understanding, understanding and knowledge. Understanding and knowledge. But yeah. he got his wisdom. Yeah. yeah, but he didn't grow in grow on beyond that and, until maybe later. Well, maybe these, uh, maybe Ecclesiastes is a little bit of a a hint at some understanding. Yeah, well, I, I see knowledge. what you're saying, and I agree with him. Well, I'm not, I'm not through book. all of it. Uh, I'm not through all of it yet, but uh, I'll figure something out before I'm done with it today. Oh. I rem- I remember a passage I memorized. I think it's. Uh, uh, remember now, thy Creator, in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, and other years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, "I have no pleasure in them." And I think that's uh, uh, um, oh, what book are we even talking about here? Uh, I think that's it. But and I, that's a power. I think it's chapter sixteen, if I remember correctly. But anyway, yeah. stay with it. Don't don't give up on it. And it's got it's got something for us. It's always every book of the Bible has. There's some there's some perspective there's some truth that we really need and will uh, will encourage us as well so hang in glad to hear from you sooner or later glad to hear from you friend okay thanks for calling Uh uh-huh let's go and visit with um harold i think is yeah he's on harold's on there okay i believe harold is calling in harold are you on the line with us tonight i am so you won't believe where i'm sitting what are you, what you book are you reading tonight? 
<laughs> well, I'm going to be reading the menu at Jim's restaurant. I'm sitting right in front of the restaurant. Mm. Dana had already went inside. We picked up our son and his fiance at the airport. They came back from a two-week trip. And something, and so we made it here just in time and Good. caught the radio show in the car. And I got a lot of things going on here at, at once. But um, maybe to help Rich out a little bit, you know, what helped me out somewhat, you know, when I did realize, I do realize there's going to be an end to things. When I started buying Bibles, I don't do it anymore. But when I started buying them, I wouldn't put my name on them. I'd put my son's name on them. Or I'd put someone else's name on them. And uh, even though I still have them, because, you know, I I know I'm not going to be here forever. Uh-huh. And I want to start the pass on thing. And just one other thing. That good idea. Done. Really good idea, actually. Yeah. In other yeah, words, you're, well, yeah. you're, you're getting this, the positive side. We can also mm-hmm. pass on a positive legacy. We can pass on a positive uh, uh, history to our children, to our world. Uh, that's a good. I think it's a good point. It really is. And and it gets me to faith that that there is an end one day. And maybe that's the way I deal with it. Uh-huh. There's a you know, I heard some talk about Jacob being outside, outside looking in and. He ain't the only one. Uh, Saturday, when I went back to work, I got to work about 2 in the afternoon and did a lot of work over there. But, uh, you know, the guys know that I'm not going to show up until after Bible study for sure. And uh, so they asked me, so what was Bible study about? So I picked out the humor part, and somehow it got turned around to Cinderella. <laughs> and, you know, it was about somehow, and, and we're in Genesis chapter 5, I think, if I can remember. Cinderella, so um, it was all the discussion about how the shoes used to be metal, but through France, I don't know how it happened. It changed the language from this and that to to glass. And so, of course, I had to say something. I don't know what the people on the left side heard, but I said, well, I think the story is, is that if the slippers were glass, she must have had beautiful feet. And that's what everybody's missing. And that's what's happening in the Bible. The four corners of the page, I can't stay on it either. You know, I can't. I'm I I'm getting trained. I'm I have a lot of help, uh, but my mind drifts so much. Huh. Anyway, anyway. Well, but, that, uh, that, wait, now you got to clarify a little bit of this for us. Well, uh, I have to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but uh, so you're saying, um, what, what is it? Tell us the relationship to the feet and glasses to what you're talking about the scriptures and and. The four corners. You know, well, I'm looking at glass right now, but it's inside gems. But uh, <laughs> they were, <laughs> I don't know, they were talking about princes and ladies and women. Uh-huh. I, I honestly can't remember. That was Saturday morning. And um, and somehow one of the ladies there had mentioned Cinderella. Oh, the, the, I think the line of uh, uh-huh. the anc- ancestors or something like that, I, you know, where... This guy begets this person, that guy begets uh-huh, that uh-huh, person. Uh-huh. And, okay, and so we ended up with Cinderella somehow for a few <laughs> minutes. And actually, the rabbi said, that's enough of Cinderella for right now. That's but I did pick up on it. Are you talking about uh, that in different languages, the word glass is a different yes. material? Yes, it used to be one thing, but since the language changed. Uh, Cinderella started off in Germany. 
And yeah. uh, it was originally, uh, I forget what it was. It wasn't a, a glass slipper originally? No, no, but whoever translated it <laughs> went over into uh, Latin and English, and eventually it became glass. And so she, had, she must have had beautiful feet, because I don't think that guy needed to go around and see if, if the slipper fit, because... You could just tell by how the foot looked. I he think. went around and looked for the beautiful feet. I wonder if that's yeah. where we got that phrase, hey, if the shoe fits, wear it. Uh, yeah. Maybe, well, maybe so. Look, look I'm going to let you guys know, if my wife was in the car, I wouldn't say this, because she always gets mad. Well, don't, she don't has, have trouble now. Yeah, nobody's Well, she's not in the car. She's not in the car. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, she does have. Just us and a few hundred thousand. But she does have beautiful okay. feet. Okay. Yeah, she does. She does. <laughs> And her fingernails and toenails always match. So I'm going to let you guys go. I'll call back next week probably. Right, huh? Bye-bye. Thank you. Good to hear from you. <laughs> Harold always has a, a, a fresh take <laughs> on, yeah. on the passages. But I'm glad you finally uh, uh, explained that, Jacob, that what he was talking about because I couldn't get the iron and the glass and the Cinderella. Yeah. Uh, but he does. I, I'll, I'll bite on that, though. I'm going to take a little question. It does seem like. <clears throat> a lot of the a lot of the great stories uh of whether it's the children's stories or or uh Asaph's fables and this sort of thing that we might listen to a lot of those really do have a I strong remember uh the the character in Germany was named i think her name was Ella or something like Elena, something like okay. that, and uh, she put she lived in ashes. So when it worked its way over through Latin and into English, she's now cinder because cinders are ashes. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I think that's what it was, and I think that her shoes at one point when it got translated it was like brass, another time it was fur, but she ended up with the glass slippers. With the glass slippers. Ah, oh, there you go. Well, I wonder, is there any? Um, a lot of these, the, the great stories and things, they, a lot of them do have kind of a moral or, or, or a, to some degree, even a biblical sort of a basis of sure. redemption or like forgiveness Pinocchio. or something. Pinocchio yeah. is really the story, you might say, of, uh, uh, in one sense, uh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, right. Yeah, that's true. The father and uh-huh. the being reconciled. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder, uh, I didn't see anything like that with Cinderella, but then I you know, there could be some redemptive idea that she's the... The little sister the cleans the house, but but she's, you know, the scriptures talk about the proud and the arrogant will be resisted by God, but the humble, the broken in spirit, they're lifted up, exalted. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe there's something in, in that. Well, anyway, just trying to run with uh, what uh, is brought to us, right? Let's get back to the book okay. of the Chronicles. Yeah, what the heck? Let's return to what we're talking about. Yeah, sure, and. Uh, Back to the selected history that Ezra is writing. You said that there was something toward the end of the book. Yeah, well, that... before we do that, I want to slip in one thing because okay. you're going to love this. And I told you during the break, I'm going to change something for you. Okay. You don't have to accept it, but I'm going to change it. All right. Are you ready? Well, <laughs> who knows? Okay, well, let's we'll go see. over to Chapter 21. And you've got a question. Uh-huh. At your number six. But you actually, uh, you go for verse, and uh, your number six is, the answers is in Second Chronicles 21 to 2 and 4. However, the, what I would like to concentrate is on verse 7. 
Okay, now this is. uh, We were talking a little earlier about uh, Jehoshaphat trying to get peace and bring about reconciliation between the ten tribes of Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And he even goes so far as to uh, encourage or allow his son to uh, Jehoram to marry the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, uh, Athaliah. And, of course, that leads to a great, great trauma, a great difficulty. Uh, Athaliah takes over the, th- the throne. There's, there's a great murder. I think a lot of yeah. children are mm-hmm. killed, yeah. all but one who escapes. Now, what are you wanting to, to look at in well, the middle of that? Is there anything you happen to remember in the Christian scriptures about... Uh, <clears throat> Some virgins and some oil and a lot. Yes, of course. Uh-huh, okay. uh-huh. Well, the parable of look the... Look at 21, verse 7. Weren't there ten virgins? Five had their oil and five did not. Mm-hmm. Okay, 21, verse 7. Mm-hmm. Verse 7 says, But the Lord did not want to destroy David's dynasty, for he had made a covenant with David and promised that his descendants would continue to rule, shining like a lamp, Forever. Uh uh. Did you catch the word lamp? Yes. Lamp was a Jewish euphemism for kingship. Okay. So in the story in the Gospels, you have the lamps that went to the northern kingdom. Mm-hmm. That's Jeroboam and his following kings. Okay. That's what the lamp is. And see here. Uh, those the, are the ten virgins? No, those are the lamps. Remember, it talks about they went out to, with their lamps. Yeah. Uh-huh. They went out to get some oil. But the virgins. The, the virgins. With the lamps. Sure, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. But, but what I'm pointing out is. And so those ten virgins represent the ten tribes of northern, the northern ten, tribes. Ten, ten tribes, yes. That uh, left with Jeroboam. There you go. Okay. And Jeroboam was their lamp. Okay. And here it's telling you that God left one lamp in Judah, David's house. Mm-hmm. So lamps is referring to kingship. Isn't that interesting? All right. And so the, the what Jesus was talking about. See, we, we, we take that passage in the New Testament with the ten, uh, the ten virgins. They come to this wedding. Right. And they're waiting on the bride and the groom to show up. Uh-huh. And some of them have enough oil, uh-huh. and five of them, and five of them do not. Right. And the five that do not say, can lend us some oil? We need, and, and they said, no, then we wouldn't have enough. And so they have to go and look for oil. And meanwhile, while they're gone, the king return, the, the groom and the bride return, and they go into the banquet right. and they lock the doors. Yeah, lock the door. Okay, so now we kind of see that. Uh-huh. I think the general Christian approach is uh-huh. that we look at the lamp as being in uh, the oil being a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and that if you, you know, the words we that. You, you're locked out if you don't have the Spirit of God with you. Yeah, that, out of the banquet, I, out I of understand, and so on. And that troubles me. Well, I know, but I'm just trying to make it clear. That's kind of how we look yeah, at. Okay. But you're saying that what Jesus was actually alluding to when he was preaching there, and he was using this euphemism of the lamp right. and the ten virgin, the ten tribes of northern Israel, right, and so on. Right, right, right. And so now, with that kind of basis, tell us. More completely, what what you think he was saying? Well, actually, it's actually in the Bible. Uh, You may have heard of it. It was a big sell. It was in all the papers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, but anyway, (laughs) so so what happened is several members of five tribes, Uh they were invited back to Jerusalem for Passover. I remember that. So they go back down. But on the return, 
Jeroboam had put up a blockade and his centuries, and he was not letting them return. Okay, yes, I remember that. Okay, well, that's the door, that the door was locked and they couldn't return. All right, so that... Okay, I can see the, uh-huh. the but but is that what is that what Jesus is saying? I think so. What is he trying to communicate? Well, when he talks about the oil and the lamp, and here I'm showing you an example that lamp is kingship. Oil is the, uh, the Torah, the Bible. Okay. So they went down for Passover to study, to repent, and do Passover, and that was the Torah. That's the oil from the Jewish point of view. And here you've got the example of David's kingship being called the Lamb. That's why there are ten lamps. There are ten northern virgins with ten lamps. Those okay. were their kings. Well, we'll discuss maybe both of those takes very quickly oh, and, and when we and get you back. Wanna, and you want to take a look. I'm going to tell you, there's a letter here that was written. Three four zero ninety five eighty five, and he, we're going to take a look and get at this letter that Jacob's talking about oh, when we come back. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right, we are back. This is the final segment of The Bible Live broadcast this evening. If you'd like to join with us, we're in the... Uh, the books of First and Second Chronicles, originally one book, one book of history, divided into two at the time of the uh, uh, the Septuagint, I believe, when the Bible was translated from um, Hebrew to Greek oh, into the guy, two books. Eh? Uh, yeah, wait, guy. Uh, first and Second books of Chronicles. We're finishing up these books, and then uh, next week we'll be getting the book of Ezra uh, and, and Romans, <laughs> and heading back uh, to the New Testament, where we pick up there where we left off after the book of the Acts, um, not the A-X-E, uh, the A-C-T-S, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Yep. And then we'll pick up with the uh, this incredible, this beautiful, this powerful letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Rome. Uh, and so we're, we'll get into the book of the Romans. It's interesting that it'll, uh, the two books you have together next week, Ezra and Romans, because Ezra's rebuilding the temple, and that's the temple that the Romans destroyed. Whoa! Uh, Talk about a segue. The, yeah. Did you do that on purpose? I did that on purpose. Uh-huh. Oh, of course. Actually, you want to hear a joke my grandson told me? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. I t- uh, he he uh, made this up. He now? made this up. Oh, right. Says, I tell you, the, the, what do they say? The apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree. He, you love to make up jokes, and uh, I guess you've infected him, right? Well, so. I, I don't know, but any rate. Uh, but anyway, so he said, he asked me, "What do mermaids wash their tail with?" And I what said, "And I said starfish." And he said, "No." And I said, "What?" And he said, "Tide." <laughs> 
Uh, he's got poss- he got potential here. Uh, I uh, thought for 11 years old, I thought that was pretty good. I would say, you know, 10,000 Jewish comedians out of work, and he's trying to be funny. Yeah, that, that's, you, better, you better teach him a little bit, another career path, just in case, right? Okay, let's talk about this letter. Let's get back two to things it. We need to finish Chronicles. Oh, on this yeah, letter, the letter. In chapter 36, the last chapter, we do I'm need to visit I'm not really that. sure if I've ever noticed this letter, but look at this. Okay, it's in chapter 21. Verse, uh, and it starts at verse 12. Then Elijah the prophet, it says, right here in the text, on the page, I'm reading it straight up and down. You know, uh, Jehoram's reign, the Edomites revolted against Judah. I mean, all this history that's being walked through. And then in the middle of it, it says, then Elijah the prophet wrote Jehoram this letter. And before we read the letter, it's probably worth Mentioning yeah, a detail yeah. that I had not even noticed, but Jacob, of course, picked up on well, is that I didn't pick up on it. I wouldn't know if somebody had told me, but I can tell you this: it's in Second Kings chapter three, and Elijah had already ascended to heaven seven years before this letter was written. So Elijah was already dead. In well, dead in heaven. Did he, did Elisha deliver the letter? Or I don't know if he's dead, but he's in heaven. Well, it, well okay. Oh, oh! I just had a thought. You did. I did. Yeah. Remember that Elijah is the one who ran from Ahab, ran from yeah. Jezebel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the the Mount Carmel experience, he went down, and he was told to do several things in the future tense. Yes. Yeah. He was told to um, anoint. Uh, uh, Elisha to be his successor. He was told to anoint Jehu to become the king of Judah. And he was told to anoint this uh, Assyrian king up in in Assyria. Uh, uh, um. Yeah, but do you know what we failed to do? When we came back on the second half hour, Uh we never did go back and talk about um, those people that how it is that the the three tribes, the uh, Amorites, the uh, Edom, we didn't get back. To we that, never we? mentioned it. We let people hang out there. We do that a lot. Uh, too much. It's well, it's because we're old. We're getting we forget well, uh, between one segment and the other. But perhaps but, that's the reason. But what, <laughs> <laughs> now what's what's the now we uh, we were trying to explain these three kings that were coming up against uh, Jehoshaphat, and he prayed. The Amorites, and asked, the Moabites, and the Edomites. Okay. Now, they came, and remember, Josephat had prayed, and he said, hey, I really want to need oh, help. Oh, that's right. And, and we forgot to and say we, and how God said, answered And you said, that's prayer. a great hook. We'll talk about it when we come back. Uh-huh. Maybe you're talking about next year or when we come back to the story and <laughs> we do it again. <laughs> next year. Uh, no, no, no. Right now, that's uh, great. We listen, need to look at that. Let me just read this. This is what happens. Okay. Uh, so it says in verse 23, it would be 19, 20, uh, 20 it said, now the Amorites and the Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, which is the Edomites. And they started fighting among themselves. So in the Jewish concept of the Bible, what is written is also a microcosm example of something larger that shall occur. That's what Chronicles is about. We're going to see it in the last chapter of uh, Chronicles. Oh, yeah. So what's happening here is is that in today's world, the Muslims are always organized against Israel today. Exactly what it says here, but it's telling us what happens. In this example, when the prayer was issued by Jehoshaphat, what happens is these guys start fighting each other. 
Well, isn't that not what's happening over in the Middle East today? All the Muslims are organized against Israel, but they're all fighting each other. Exactly what it says here. So the lesson here is it will be repeated. So as you read this and you're reading these stories, you're not just reading history. You're reading what will come. And I can even paint a bigger, broader picture than that. That that is a picture of... Actually, frankly, heaven and hell, good and evil. It's in, in heaven. There's only one king. Okay. There's one God, one king. In 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 hell, the idea of every man, every man thinks himself to be the king, the center. It, it, in other words, uh, and and that's one of the principles of good and evil. Is that you know, th- there's this advertising that goes on about America. It, it says that our diversity is our strength, and it's simply not true. No, it's not. The strength of our nation is our unity. That's our, right. Our, uh, the, that constitution, right. that the values, the, that's our strength. Well, remember the famous phrase: "United we stand, divided, divided we, we fall. fall." Of course, from Lincoln, and, and of course from the scriptures: it, it, "A house divided against itself there cannot cannot stand." So. And so. Uh, so the point is that evil often, if, if believers and Christians will stay in the saddle and be perseverant and, and continue the battle, evil will also often disintegrate into factions and in, against itself. With Gene Autry. I'm back in the saddle. saddle okay, I'm just trying to use my little cowboy background here. That, uh, but but I think it's a broader. It's a broader application of that same truth, that that unity is our strength, and and, our, and, I, and of course, obviously, it's a beautiful thing to see now, in the body bear, of Christ. Bearing that in mind, believers. we are told by this example, uh-huh. they were organized, and they were organized. Uh-huh. They fought against each other, and in fact, that's happened several times. Now. Let's apply that and see if we can get some relevance out of this letter. Okay. So, okay. Now let's move to the letter. Yeah. Why don't you read the letter? Well, the, in the first place, we just got to realize how remarkable it is. It says, "Then Elijah the prophet wrote Jehoram, and Elijah the prophet has already been gone seven in years." Second Kings chapter three, under a different king. Uh huh. Prior to this king, Elijah had ascended. He's gone. So we're only left with a couple of options. One is that uh, perhaps it's a forgery. I don't think so. Or perhaps somehow Elijah wrote a letter from heaven and sent it back down. Or Elijah, in a prophetic mode, wrote the letter in advance. But anyway, we and know it got this, lost in the mail. It got <laughs> lost in the mail. Incorrect postage. Bad address. You know, return to sender. Or he said maybe it had on it deliver when this happens. Like it, it could. Yeah. Do not deliver <laughs> after Christmas. Yeah, do not deliver till Christmas. Yeah. So anyway, but, well, anyway, so but Elijah writes so Jehoram this letter. Seven years earlier, he's gone. So we know that. But now listen to the letter. Okay, the letter says, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. You have not followed the good example of your father Jehoshaphat or your grandfather King Asa of Judah. Instead, you have been as evil as the kings of Israel. You have led the people of Jerusalem and, Judea, and Judah I'm sorry, to worship idols just as King Ahab did in Israel. Now and now, and you have even killed your own brothers, men who were better than you. So now the Lord is about to strike you, your people, your children, your wives, and all that is yours with a heavy blow. You yourself will suffer with a severe intestinal disease that will get worse each day until your bowels come out. Yikes. Yours truly, Elijah. Yeah. Yeah. Strong letter to follow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> wow. When the Lord, then the Lord stirred up the Philistines and the Arabs who lived near the Ethiopians to attack Jehoram. They marched against Judah, broke down his defenses, carried away everything of value in the royal palace, and so on. And so they begin to see this judgment of God. And of course, of course this points out too what we had written, what we'd said earlier in the hour that the book of Chronicles reveals once again this these cycles of uh, God, you know, God's commands revealed, men and women uh, disobeying God, falling into sin and temptation. Then there's judgment that follows, and then there, uh, then they are uh, there's repentance of their sin, and they are delivered from their enemies, and, and then restored, and then they go back and fall into sin again. And there's this this constant cycles of sin and deliverance and restoration. Uh, that goes on. So th- this highlights that as well. But I had never noticed that letter from Elijah. That's that's, and and I was looking in my notes uh, in my Bible. Even the study notes don't point out that hey, by the way, Elijah was already dead. Well, I, you say dead. I don't know if he was dead. Okay, yeah, you're right. I, I I shouldn't put it that way because he he did he did ascend in a in a chariot of fire. Yeah, he yeah, wasn't yeah. didn't go through the portal of death as we know it at least. So, um, hmm. so at any rate, we know for sure that because it gives the name. Of, it's in Second Kings chapter three, and we know for sure uh, what king was in power, which is a couple of kings before this guy. Mm-hmm. So we know, or at least one king before. So we know for sure that Elijah is gone. So seven years later, huh. this letter comes. Now this is fa- fascinating to me. Now let's say by prophecy. Elijah wrote this letter. If I received that letter from Elijah, I would say, if I was this king, I'd say, when did he write this? And they said seven years ago because he knew this was going to happen, and you got a bad message in this letter, pal. <laughs> and I'd read it and I'd say, man, this is not good news. <laughs> well, what was his response? Well, that'll be up to you to warm out. Well, well, they immediately the judgment started. He started. We just read about. Well, we know we know what happens with his bowels. Yes, he did get sick, and he did eventually die of that illness. I mean, that everything that said there was happened. Um, but, so Jehoram uh, goes the way of all humans. He he dies, and and they and they move on. I guess the next guy comes along. But boy, that is that is something. I had it's so weird that I never had noticed that. Well, I don't hear that chapter. kind of thing mentioned very. But those are the kind of things that you know a lot of Jewish scholars put together because it's interesting. Oh, uh, of course. But, uh, but you don't hear that talked a lot about. Was okay. So we see this great example of the the enemies of God breaking up into uh, competing right. groups and so on. And, and that's that's a that's a principle I think that you really can often take that mm-hmm. that sin and evil often does self destruct. Yes, they do. Uh, and, and of course, it's not that that God's people don't is sometimes as well. But true godliness, there's there's a, there's a there's a harmony. There's right. a one. I mean, God's will is one. And uh, so at that level, there, there is a great advantage. I think it's something that believers ought to have in mind as well, because you see that principle happen a lot. Now, th- then comes uh, after Jehoram comes Ahaziah, uh, Ahaziah becomes the king. And then we have this thing against uh, Athaliah, this mm-hmm. daughter of, of uh, uh, Ahab and Jezebel. She comes along, and she actually is the one who kills, I think, 22 
Yeah, every descendant of David. Every descendant of David, but one. Yeah. Only one survives and, in and chapters in 21, 23. Yeah. When you've got the princes of the house of David, the young guys, when they're taken to Babylon, what happens to them? They get castrated. D- Daniel was castrated as uh-huh, well as the uh-huh, other people. Uh-huh. Why is that? So they cannot produce. Yeah. So everybody knew the prophecy that the Messiah would come from Judah. But if they're all and a descendant of David, if they're wow. all either dead or castrated, they can't do that. So somewhere, if a person wants to put a theological theme to this, yeah. somewhere along the line, somebody was trying to end that line. End that line. That's exactly what we see happen over and over and over again as well. Uh, trying to, but the, and, and the interesting thing to me about uh, this whole thing of Athaliah who who kills all these kings and tries to cut off the lineage of David. Only one child escapes, and his name is Joash. And the interesting thing, it's either Athaliah's sister Mm -hmm. or her aunt. I'm not quite sure which it is. Just for uh, our friend Murph's sake, what was his name again? (laughs) Athaliah? No, the guy, not the woman. Oh, 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 Ahab. Oh, the boy. And Jezebel. The boy, the boy, the boy. Jo- uh, Joash. Joash. Joash, okay. He is the one child, uh-huh. but he's saved by a kin, uh, by a yeah. sister of Athaliah, uh-huh. another daughter. I believe it's a daughter an aunt, or a sister yeah. of, of Jezebel. I'll have to get that straight, but it was a family member, I believe a sister. It, it, so she had married the high priest of, Israel, of Judah. Of the, That's right. And, and, and of course, isn't that amazing? He can't, that, he can't marry her unless she converts. So yes. she's from another nation, but she obviously became a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She basically converts so that he could marry. And he say, and she saves uh, this little yes. baby Joash. Isn't that fascinating? Uh, you know, God, Satan comes up with this brilliant plan, and God has a counter. You know, he, there's always this one. There's this. There's this unexpected little solution that God has, and he found it in, in this, uh, the sister of Athaliah, or the aunt. I'm not sure which the relationship, but it, I've always found it extremely ironic and interesting that the way that, that, that David's lineage was kept alive through Joash, and then Athaliah is eventually overturned. And she's, there's a rebellion, and she uh, is killed. Yep. And Joash is placed again on she the throne. She has some relation to another woman that's very famous in the Bible. Really? Yeah. So maybe it starts with a J, perhaps. Jezebel. Oh, well, sure. Oh, Ath- but what is that? Well, relation? they were all daughter. Athaliah was a daughter of Jezebel. Oh. Right? But so was uh, wow. so was the so, oh, what's that other so woman's see, name that saved her? This is actually it came uh, yeah. So Jezebel is related is related to her. Yes, Jezebel is Athaliah's mother, and Jezebel is the mother of uh, the sister that married the high priest of Israel. Isn't this fascinating? I, I, I just. It's astounding to me. This is I, like General Hospital. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's Although like, it's even better because it's true. Well, I, I actually <laughs> saw General Hospital before I went away overseas when I was in the Army. And when I came back, I happened to see it again. They were in exactly the same spot. Exactly. Well, I've, I knew General Hospital 
when he was only a colonel. <laughs> a little humor, a little military humor there. Okay, let's go on then. Let's let's end our commentary about Second Chronicles. Yeah, what? now this ends. It's wonderful with stories. Something. Yeah. No, so we've got a theme that there's a cycle and there's repentance, there's sinning, all that stuff. Uh-huh. And his, his enemies attack, but they destroy each other. Mm-hmm. And then we end up in the last chapter of Second Chronicles, which is thirty-six. Oh man, there's so and, many there's so many wonderful stories. That oh. the story under Hezekiah where they survived the attack of Sennacherib from uh, from uh, uh, Damascus in the north. I mean, that was a great great story. Well, sorry not to read that. And Manasseh. Oh, this yeah, weekend. we we yeah we got yeah. a pass, we okay. pass over a bunch. I like the name Sennacherib. It sounds like I sneezed. Yeah, exactly. Kuzuntai. Yeah, and then you got that wonderful little cow, the child king uh, Josiah. Who comes? Who's restored to the the throne at eight years of age, and, and he leads a great and revival. There comes a time when uh, actually the Torah is read to the whole house of Israel. That's right. He and, does that, uh, and that's right. And what is that in Hebrew? That's called the Hakel, and that's what gets translated. And people think that. Jesus did. Yes. He did do it. The Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. But that is in Hebrew, a hakel. And only the king can do it. Yep. Yep. So yep. when Jesus beautiful, is doing beautiful. the Sermon on the Mount, he's doing what's commanded. Yeah. Every seven years to read the the, the Torah, read the yeah, law to God's of people. 70, so look look over here in the last chapter. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, you want, if you want to read it, it starts in 3620. And, uh, and, and actually, I should say this. Uh, Cyrus. Now the word yes. for uh, the word for Christ in Hebrew is Messiah. Messiah. Moshiach. Messiah. So, and actually, it uses the word for Cyrus as a Messiah. Exactly right. So, if you like to, this this is worth reading. Did you say it was Jeremiah, or was it uh, who was it that predicted Cyrus you're by going, name? You're about to read it. Okay, let's start at verse twenty. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and, and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are the Lord's people may go there for this task, and may the Lord your God be with you. Wow! I. It sounds like Ty, Cyrus was Cyrus a convert. I mean, uh, I will tell like you he, this: that Jeremiah uh, had predicted that there would be a Messiah, not the Messiah, but a Messiah. And his and gave his name in the book of Jeremiah as Cyrus. Cyrus, yeah. So years Jer- before Cyrus, that that happened, long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So he sat down and he showed. That's how he convinced Cyrus that God of the Abra- God of Abraham has told me to write this and see. Here's your name. This is what you've been designated to be. This is why you've conquered Babylon. Do you think it was uh, maybe Daniel or one of the? Uh, well, it wouldn't be. Shadrach, Meshach, could have been one of them who talked to Cyrus and told him Daniel. It was Daniel. It was Daniel. But he was showing what Jeremiah had written. Yeah. And like you just read, and so it says uh, that uh, in verse 21, uh, it says, says, the fulfillment of the word of Jeremiah, while the land made good its Sabbaths, 
every seventh year for 70 years, while the land made good its Sabbaths. Uh, As long as the land is desolate, it will enjoy its Sabbaths until 70 years is completed. So see, if you know the story, you're understanding what's happening. It's God's command was, in the land of Israel, every seven years the land will rest fallow. So what happens is, is he's saying, okay, you guys didn't follow this commandment? Well, I, God says, I'm taking care of my piece of land, Israel. So you guys are going to get taken into captivity, and then you will keep the Sabbaths of the land. So that not that fascinating? So It's more you, than fascinating. It, it's just... It's divine. Well, uh, <laughs> it's just astounding. Yeah. It's all of one piece, isn't it? And then it, it all mean, comes it just... back. It's all in Jeremiah. And he says, so, and Daniel reads it, and he says, oh, so, uh, hey, the time's up. We're headed home. Yeah. So and Daniel explains Cyrus. it to Cyrus. <laughs> and, it actually and Cyrus gets it. And... Yeah, and has his name. And it actually says that his uh, he will be building the temple again. And wow. so he does that. But listen to the language of that letter he wrote. It sounds like he he has come to believe. That, you know, listen, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are the Lord's people may go there for this task, and may the Lord your God be with you. Well, may the Lord your God. He didn't say may the Lord our God, but that isn't that amazing? And actually, in, in the Bible, it actually calls him a Messiah. And he began his reign in 538. Oh, is the time up again already? It is. It's time well, to then go. I should say this. Yeah. Uh, everybody should always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. Amen goes there. See you next week, folks. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.